0: It's time for Licking on Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us.
1: Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you to the podcast. It's a
0: cold day here in Central Texas, and we're sitting in the middle of a deep freeze. Woke up to uh, 7 degrees this morning, and it felt like 9 below. It's a cold, cold day. I hope it's warm wherever you're at. In fact, Bobby Nicely was texting me from Florida. He says, listen to your podcast on the beach. We had just had an ice storm hit our house. So we have every tree laden with frozen ice. It looks like someone delicately created this icicle and the trees. It's just the most spectacular thing. And then last night we got about six inches of snow. Again, something just so unusual for Central Texas. So, hope you are doing well and wherever you're at, staying warm. We are having rolling blackouts. First crazy, crazy, really snow cold snap we're having. So, All that to say, if I go dead for a little while, this time it'll be because we had a blackout, but I'm dialing in on my cell phone. So good to have you with us. So pleased to have you here as part of the podcast is Monday, February 15th. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so glad to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format anytime and anywhere. I realized it's President's Day, so happy President's Day to all of you. No market updates, so we're not going to have Matt Graham and uh, MBS Live joining us, but we do have Alan. Alice is taking the day off. She texted me uh, last night. She said, can I just enjoy the day off? I want to spend some time with my husband. So yes, happy day off. But Alan is here, so we're going to get a good tech update here in just a little bit. In the Hot topic segment, I'm really excited about our conversation we're going to be having with Jim Paolino. Jim is the founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions, Had great conversation with Jim. Now, I've known Jim for a while. He's a critical thinker, and I really want you to pay attention to the Hot topic segment, because we're going to have a real interesting discussion about, is it the industry shifting from a relationship one-on-one human standpoint versus technology-based solutions going to step in there a little bit more, take more of a, the relationship away. We're going to have a great discussion on that. We are a part of the Industry Syndicate. So thrilled to be a part of them and encourage you to check out IndustrySyndicate.com. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Again, we have Michael Fradantone on January 4th. We get an update on the MBA's forecast for the economic Scenario as well as housing, very interesting. Go back and listen to that. Also, Finastro, whose fusion mortgage bot solution does a great job of bringing efficiency to doc prep, allowing you to receive and manage and store and retrieve and deliver loan files in an electronic manner. Also, does a lot of tracking and has got some great compliance systems. I encourage you to check it out. Also, they are great citizens to the mortgage community because they like to the providing data and uh, analytics, and so. On January eleventh, we had Dan Putney talking about their latest survey. Also thrilled to have Lenders One as a member of our sponsor group as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co-ops provide a unique opportunity for both lenders and vendors to get up close and personal and interact with each other in a more meaningful way. Conferences are great, can't wait for them to get back, but gotta check out Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative and how you can connect with other lenders your size. Great peer analysis going on there. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, thank you for their sponsorship, as well as Indicom, which supports every stage of the mortgage life cycle, automation, to outsourcing, and compliance. If you're looking for that third-party outsource solution, check out what Indicom has to offer, I-N-D-E-C-O-M-M.com. Check them out on their website, as well as Incelerate, who does a great job of helping lenders. Close with more loans by engaging better. Listen to the interview we did with Josh Friend on August seventeenth. Go back and listen to that last year. Uh, Knowledge Cube, our friends over there, do a great job of helping you with training, as well as Mobility RE and Modex. Both of these companies allow you to recruit based on facts, not fiction, and so helps you get deep insights into the real estate community as well as the. mortgage loan origination community. Find out who's really producing the volume and who you should really be targeting. Special thank you goes out to Alan. He's joining us today. Alice and Matt, as I said earlier, will not be here. Welcome to the Hot Topic segment of the Lickin' on Lending podcast. It is, of course, February 15th, and we're thrilled to have you here. And we're also thrilled to have joining us on the podcast, Jim Paolino. He is founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. And we're talking about the future of a mortgage industry as it the relationship. Are we seeing a shift more to a technology controlling that? We're going to be getting into that and we're really excited about that. Jim is a thought leader in our industry, and I always enjoy sitting down and visiting with him. I'm so glad I get to share one of our many conversations with you, our listeners. Jim, good to have you on the podcast. How are you doing, Fred? Hi,
2: David. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Couldn't have think of a better way to spend President's Day.
0: Yeah, it's a great way to do it. And I'm really excited to share your critical thinking on this perspective. With our listeners. And then Lodestar, let's talk a little bit about Lodestar Lending for those that are familiar with the company, but those that might not be. Tell us a little bit about Lodestar. What do you do? What's the space you're in within the mortgage technology space? And uh, talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So I founded Lodestar eight years ago. We really grew out of the industry. I grew up in the title insurance space in a family-owned company. I remember when there were typewriters at the office used to type up policies, (laughs) crawling on the file cabinets when I was seven, eight years old. So I have memory of what the industry was like. And I basically developed technology tools starting around 2009, 2010, uh, when they were updating the HUD as many of you listeners will probably remember. So I started developing rate calculators, ways of quoting fees to mortgage companies, to lenders, to real estate people, the realtors, the title agents, anyone who needs to quote that data and was able to kind of start that company, Lodestar, to push those same tools out to the industry, especially seeing trade coming in I think 2015 it was now. So we've been able to really grow through that where we work with lenders throughout the country. We were just named the 11th fastest growing company in Philadelphia across any industry. So it's been a very, very fortunate time for us to help lenders that we work with. I would say our core is really kind of middle of the market, a few hundred to a few thousand loan a month lenders. We save you time. We save you money. We automate the process of disclosing fees, guaranteeing the information that you're providing to the consumer, which as I'll talk about a little bit later, really allows you to focus on all the other aspects of the business that are much tougher to automate.
0: Yeah, And I'm so glad to hear that you're launching your own podcast, Low Stars Lending Leaders. And I think it's so good because I've always enjoyed my conversations with you because you a really good critical thought. And I love hanging around really smart people who think sometimes out of the box or at least think accurately or critically about the box that we find ourselves in at times. Tell us a little bit about that. How can people listen to your podcast? Where do they go? And we're going to put a link to that, by the way, listeners, on our show notes for this podcast today. And we're going to be Doing everything we can to help this be promoted because it's going to be a good one. So, tell us a little yeah, bit about Absolutely.
2: The Thanks so much for bringing that up. So, I was resistant to starting a podcast for the longest time, but ultimately just missed talking to people like yourself at conferences. And I figured if something else is a good way of having yeah. those conversations. And my goal is if I can have conversations with people in the industry that I find interesting, that would be something that people want to listen to. The name of the podcast is Stars Lending Leaders. It's available on Anchor, on YouTube via video, on Apple Podcasts, really anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify as well, Modestars Lending Leaders. We launched our first two episodes last week, and we'll have a new episode coming out every Thursday. Indefinitely at this point, typically about 20, 30 minute conversations with different people in the industry, like in the title lending leaders. So people who are at the lender side in sales, I have a client coming on who manages a large mortgage company and their business development, speaking with someone from the MBA about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think that'll be live next week. The other segment, and this is something that I, I really want to talk a little bit more about for our topic, is we have a recurring segment that we're launching called America's Next Top Home Buyer. And the whole idea of that is to actually hear from the consumer about their perception of the industry. Because while I think it's really important, like the conversations you're having with Alan that you're having on this podcast, which are very interesting, I think you need to always keep that consumer perspective. And at the end of the day, this is the largest transaction of people's life. So I think it's important to realize not only what they think about the process, what they think about the industry, but just not get too far in the weeds and the things that we talk about. So I think it's really an important thing to do. And selfishly, because I'm in my young 30s, I know quite a few people who are buying houses right now, one way or another. So I try to get those millennial voices out there.
0: That's great. And it's so important we do, because I'm not sure those of us have been in the industry for a long time really yet understand that. We listen to a lot of information, but so you're going to be featuring that. So check it out. I'm really interested in what you're learning out there. Was your family in the industry? How did, what did you start and how'd you get into the mortgage business?
2: Yes. So my family still runs a a title insurance company based in Rhode Island. And it was kind of one of those classic things. My dad started it. I think he was a lawyer. At some point in the eighties, his cousin who worked at Remax came in and said, Hey, can you do a closing for me? He's like, yeah, I can figure that out. And then he did it and he goes, hey, what if I do two of these every month? Uh, I can cover my rent. Okay, what if I do three? So it was just a very natural (laughs) way of getting into the industry. And then I grew up on the title side of the business. That's where I developed those tools for those companies. And obviously lenders being their key clients, that was kind of my transition into the mortgage industry. And now at Bootstar, we really focus more on selling to lenders.
0: As we've talked, as I said several times now, I really love your critical thought and how you view the industry. And I think you have a great, Perspective. We'll start out with this question. You believe that the mortgage transaction will never truly be automated, one hundred percent automated. I agree with you, but talk about your your reason for that opinion.
2: Uh, I think it's like I said before. This is the largest transaction of someone's life, and I think the importance of guiding a person through that. I think the sales aspect of the process beyond that is is just. You're always going to have to have that person-to-person interaction because people, I think, are really craving that. And I think especially, I know a lot is put out there in this industry about Millennials a lot yep. of it by people who aren't millennials. So yep. kind of that's one myth and barrier I always want to break down. And one of the, the stories I'll have coming up on my podcast is a friend of mine. He's a doctor down in Miami. He just bought his house. He closed last Monday. He found his realtor because that realtor was showing a home in his same apartment building. They met the realtor. They started working with that realtor through that. And then they drove around, drove to a bank by them. And that was the mortgage company that they worked with. Right. So right. nothing online, nothing on Zillow to get yeah. started. I'm sure they looked for properties on those, but you know, there's very much the in real life process that's still happening. And then once I would say a millennial finds that person, usually the realtor, just because of how the transaction works, they need that resource and they will follow that resource and that advice as much as possible. So owning that relationship has a lot of value. And I think that's something that you Really, you certainly need to use technology to enhance that. But the people who think a millennial or even the generation after wants to do everything on their phone from application to close, it's just not realistic.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a group of them that are going to be doing more and more. And we are seeing evidence Mm of that. hundred percent, which is the core of the question, is the answer is no. You know, we're seeing a real shift back to a purchase market. And I'd really like to get your perspective on mortgage technology. Will it be coming into the spotlight as we move deeper into a purchase of market. It's obviously been very mm-hmm. instrumental, especially on the refinance, but purchase market. Jim, what is your perspective on mortgage technology in the purchase market? More so?
2: Yeah. I think that's going to be really important because there's just such a natural inclination to start that search online, whether you're going on any sort of MLS service or websites that are showing homeless things. That's a very natural way for people to start with a purchase. So you're always going to have kind of that as the initial starting point. I think the need in the purchase process, especially with technology, has to do with the fact that there are a lot more other players involved. And the transactions tend to take a little bit longer. I found that statistic Alan said about the number of transactions that take 90 days going up, the overall closing time going up. So it's really important to keep the consumer engaged and up-to-date and whether it be portals or other kind of update systems that a lender will have, a title agent will have. That's really important to keep everyone up to date on the process. I would also say that the consumer education is really important, more so with the purchase, because assuming when someone refinances, they've been through the process. So I've had friends who don't know what title insurance is, or Mm -hmm. they don't know that they can shop for title insurance or just things like that. And these are people who work for major banks or have degrees in finance. So I think, you just tend to have a lot more things happening when you're involved in that purchase
0: process. Yeah, when you're looking at the mortgage industry, and clearly we're going to have higher production costs associated with mm-hmm. purchase loan, I'd like to get your perspective on the cost to originate that. Refinances, mm-hmm. less costs associated with that typically, not always, but typically so. What do you think is going to happen with the cost factor. I
2: I think you're only going to be able to automate and take that down so much. Alan brought up the point before that there's still that 14-day waiting period for appraisals, and it kind of gets to the Warren Buffett line that nine women can't have a baby in a month. (laughs) Right? Like You can only automate things to some extent, and there's going to be some very, some cases, natural or just sticking points of timelines that you can't enhance. And that's where you have to start looking at other methods aside from technology, whether it be legislative or kind of requiring what needs a full appraisal or something like that, just to use that as an example. So technology will always kind of push up against those will-if use cases.
0: So true. Alan, as you listen to this conversation, and want to invite you into it. What's your thoughts?
1: Yes, sir. So I, I love that you just said that sometimes it's not always technology because I try and tell people that all the time, right? There is mm-hmm. no one silver bullet because you could also yeah. have the best technology but use it wrong, right? So there's a people element mm-hmm. always. And your example of your friend, by the way, not using technology and finding that relationship, that's never going to go away, right? Technology will Mm -hmm. only enhance the experience. But, you know, I did want to ask you one question. Do You look at the focus for lenders to build their tech strategy. There's a lot of things you can think of, right? I talked about data earlier. Mm -hmm. There's things that you must have. There's things that are nice to have. What do you think? truly would be recommended for tech strategy for lenders out there? That's a great question.
2: I feel like with technology, people are always attracted by kind of that shiny object. In our industry, it can be AI or blockchain replacing so many aspects of the process or remote online notarizations, e-closings becoming the way we do business going forward. And those things may change certain points in the process, there may be adoption over time. But I think, like you said, there's no silver bullet. You just have to figure out where you can use as many lead ones as possible. And I think the most important thing when you're looking at that is how does everything fit? So, what is integrated with what? Usually your your LOS or your POS are the main systems where things are happening. So do you have technology that's integrated with that? Is this easy to use? That's what we focus on on our end of. Is this working in an automated fashion within your core systems? Because otherwise you're just adding time or you're adding steps to the process. So I think it's less about how shiny those objects are. It's more about how well does everything work together?
1: I agree. And if I could ask you Just a kind of not really an off topic question, but next week, I'm going to be talking about technical documentation. I think it's always important as a vendor to have it. But one of the things and I'm going to turn into a question for you is how important do you think it is for our lenders to actually work and have their own teams build some variation of documentation? What are your thoughts around that, especially with your own technology?
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely an area where you see some lenders a lot more advanced than others. Um, some have their in-house development teams and can really pull those proprietary solutions together, which make a lot of sense if you have the investment and can do that control. Then there's others who, quite frankly, can't spell API, that right. I always like to make with that. So it's going to depend on the situation depend on the lender. I think there's always a trade-off of customization and control to the time and money and investment that you have to put into building those solutions. Ultimately, it will be better to build something yourself, but the cost benefit may not there necessarily. So I think for those smaller lenders, it's understanding what you can do, what you can't do, still having a good knowledge of your systems, what things can integrate, and what you can build yourself. I mean, even a small to medium-sized lender, I think having a developer on staff who understands the industry, you will probably benefit a lot from that. You had mentioned, I know, some of the chief data officers and other openings and other positions in the industry. But I think even just having someone kind of think like an engineer, which is my background in terms of how can mm-hmm. you streamline this process? Let's take a step aside and look at this as a process, look at the touch points. How can we automate things to make this
1: go faster on our end? I couldn't agree more. I'm happy you brought that up. My mm-hmm. lenders asked me certain questions about like, who should they have on their staff? You need someone that can mm-hmm. that can be the translator. And even if it includes the yeah. documentation, like if you were to hire an engineer slash BA, Somebody to help your organization succeed with that technology. Absolutely.
2: And I think sometimes it can be a project manager, so they may not be coding themselves. But I'm sure you as a vendor, Alan, can get frustrated when someone thinks they understand how fast things can happen with technology or how fast you can build things out. And it's really not always the case.
0: That is an understatement, isn't it? Yep. Given that you spend the time you have in the industry and having worked with technology, I'm sure you've seen some pretty big colossal strategic mistakes. When it comes to planning and implementing and deploying technology, what are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing?
2: That's a good question. I had talked to someone at a major LOS who's a partner of ours, and they handle the implementations and they come in um, when someone needs to clean up their system because it's just kind of broken. They've had it for so many years. They've designed one thing over another, over another. And I asked them that same question, what was the biggest issue that you're fixing? And their answer almost every time is, kind of over customization. So you're, you're Hmm. customizing something for one specific type of loan. So say, hey, we just do construction loans. That's everything we need. So let's just build the system. So it does construction to purchase loans really, really well. Well, maybe you want to start doing refis. Right? Maybe you want to start doing VA loans. Right, There's just so many wrinkles. So I think keeping that flexibility in mind of let's build a solution that we can change later. And I think it's kind of in line with Alan's question in terms of people understanding documentation. I think an important idea that's around technology that lenders need to understand is the idea of technical debt. So what technical debt, and I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term,
0: No, but I was just thinking about that. Tell us what it is.
2: Sure. So it's basically the time and money it's going to take you to fix something instead of fixing it now. So, for example, your podcast, let's put it up on this application. It works really well here. We know that's not our long-term solution. At some point, I'm going to have to copy over all of our existing episodes and put this on another platform. But I don't need to worry about that now. That's future David's problem. I'll deal with it another day. So now the, the 10 hours that it's going to take you to do that, That's 10 hours of technical debt. You're going to have to spend down the road to fix something. So, Now you think of your system, and Alan, I don't know how you kind of think of this concept with the people you work with, but it happens all the time because they know there's shortcomings to their system or they're going to have to fix something down the road. So I think having the understanding of what is that technical debt that we're carrying, how much time is it going to take us to fix something? Because like anything else, an ounce of prevention is worth a
1: pound of cure. That's great. What's funny is I'm going to have vendors upset with me for saying this, but when all of our lenders listen and you talk to your vendors, you do want to ask them about the technical. Debt. Depending on the kind of answer you get, it is critical because there are technology solutions that have a subordinate amount of technical debt that's just wrapped inside, and they're either working on a new version, which you need to know about, which is okay, you mm-hmm. need to know about it or you need to understand if your workflow falls within what they have.
0: Alan, did you heard of the term technical debt? It's like one of those
1: terms. It's like a Halloween scare. We close our eyes and run. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) That's one thing you don't really want to think about, or probably should be asking anyone on the technology side of your business. In so many cases too, Alan, you brought this up kind of somewhat. They know the limitations of their current software, maybe their current LOS, so they know, oh, once we switch over, we can do all of these things. So now that project is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and probably less likely to do because like everyone else, they say, Oh, That's we'll right. do this project when we have the time. And either you're yeah. too busy and don't have the time, or you feel like things aren't busy enough, and then you don't have the money. So it's always yeah. kind yeah. of firefighting or fire prevention.
0: And I just got a text from one of our listeners who's listening to this live and said, You know, look, like, I'm a CTO here at our company, and I think I'm pretty good. I hadn't heard of the term technical debt, but this is a great conversation, great point. It's something I need to be mm-hmm. thinking about. Mm-hmm. What are we kicking the can down the road, or effectively creating a debt? of what we have to go down and fix, and how big Mm -hmm. is that, and how is that snowballing? That's really a really excellent point. And I think Mm -hmm. we get so caught up in being busy that we don't focus on these kind of things, which really is about Mm -hmm. talking about what to build or adapt as far as it relates to tech strategies. Where should a lender's focus be when you're talking about tech strategies?
2: You have to look at your process at the end of the day. That's gonna be a little different for everyone. And if I were going in and some lender said, Jim, make us run more smoothly right if that was for Mm -hmm. you know one reason or another my job because right now i just sell a small part of the process with the disclosure but if i had to go in and look at a lender across the board i would map out that process of what's that journey like from a time a lead comes in whether it be a purchase or a refinance till that lead is closed what systems are they using how much are people spending to do different things how are files opened Mm -hmm. what type of work is done on files that don't close because that kind of spillage is a big part of this industry as well. So I think you have to kind of start with a big picture view and then there's probably going to be some easy chip away areas there. Like when I was involved in the title business, for example, cancellations, we looked at our cancellations and 80% came from the same clients. So now you implement something where you go anytime they get an order, Let's confirm that, or let's wait a second, so let's not open that up, right? And that's a very easy way of saving yourself some time. So I think the good thing is when you map things out and look at it as an overall system, you're going to find
1: some easy wins early on.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good. Alan, what are your thoughts on that? Add to it or
1: embellish on that a little bit? Yeah, actually, I think I have the exact same opinion. I think very well said. It's definitely, it's not plug it in and go, right? Remember the old Windows 95, plug (laughs) and play? We're far beyond that now and it does require some thought process leadership as well as orchestration. Those are all important parts and I think in general as a lender if you're implementing technology, you gotta map it out and have the right people to champion and support it and then you will be successful with it, that's for sure. But it doesn't it just doesn't happen by itself.
0: I think it's really fascinating that some of the questions that are coming in from our listeners right now. You know, we're looking at building some software, you know, and this person happens to be saying, I think this is the worst thing we can do but it is a slippery slope, people going down. So interesting discussion on that. If someone walks up to you and generally says, we're thinking about building something, what's your response to that? I think it depends.
2: You would have to see what it is. How much time and money is it going to save you? How long does it take to build? And then also to my point earlier, how well does it connect with everything else? Right. Because while, you know, there could be a lot of efficiencies you gain by, say, building your own LOS. You look at all of the partner integrations you need to have, and now you're building those with them in a different way opposed to systems that are much more plug-and-play.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I want to shift it. What's one thing mortgage business should do to prepare themselves for a tighter regulatory mm-hmm. environment?
2: No, well, That's definitely something that's been on a lot of concerns lately. I saw within the last few weeks, I think, a smaller lender I mean, Connecticut got fined by the CFPB for a myriad of infractions, including fair lending. And that's something that Lodestar we're actually focusing on quite a bit with a new service we rolled out called Mortgage Sentinel, which is a secret shopping service for the mortgage industry. So what we do is we actually monitor client conversations to be able to proactively see if your loan officers are doing the things that they should be doing on both a compliant nature as well as things that help you operationally. So, but to get back to your question in terms of how they should think about compliance, I think the wrong way to think about compliance is, oh, the administration changed, let's start doing this, right? I think in so many different things in this industry, the right thing to do and the thing to do that helps your business is the same. So if you are looking at things from a compliant nature, let's look at how is that going to increase the amount of loans closed? How is that going to make our loan officers happy, make our staff happy, make our customers happy? So I think when you you know look at compliance, things can feel like you're checking lists off the box, but a good compliance structure is actually leading to a more effective business. And that's the things that we see, especially when we conduct calls with lenders, where some loan officers will get on the phone, they start quoting your rate, quoting you loan amount, fees, and all of this information without even hearing your credit score. And quite frankly, we ask people questions like, how long does it take for me to close on this loan? And say it's 60 days on a purchase right now is the average. Alan was talking about this earlier. We have loan officers saying, oh, we can get you closed in 20 days. So yeah. maybe that's not incompliant. But it's certainly going to cause some issues for your operations team. So it's just making sure that those expectations are set correctly throughout the process. And that's one thing that we're looking at because, as I mentioned before, that human element, this is the largest transaction of someone's life. And it's generally, you know, I don't think we're going to get to a point where... More loan officer robots are having that part of the conversation. They might, once you submit a loan application, that they'll probably be off and running. But in my opinion, always going to come down to a borrower talking to a loan officer in person, on the phone, or maybe even via chat.
0: Yep. I'm getting some quite more questions that are coming in. One of them is, you mentioned that you're kicking off a new service. They wanted a little more background, or more specifics on that. What does that do and how does that work? Sure.
2: Yeah, the service is Mortgage Sentinel. You can find more about it at mortgagesentinel.net or just contact me, Jim Paolino, via LinkedIn or, or any other method. And what we do is we would go in and we conduct shops as we call them so we would call as a potential borrower to your loan officers they wouldn't know that's happening and what we've done is we worked with your team ahead of that process to make sure that we have a profile set up of we're going to be calling for a purchase loan in montgomery county maryland with this credit score with this you know demographic in terms of are we married what's our age where are we calling from we can test all of that so what you can do is you can go in and see how all of your staff Response to a different oh, scenario. So, yeah. are they calling? Are they treating people the same regardless of where they're calling from, what their credit score is, what loan amount they're seeking, how they sound on the phone? All of these aspects that are important, not just for compliance, but just being able to have a business that runs successfully are things that we're able to test and help you with. And so often we see that lenders do some of this kind of proactively. So you had mentioned NPS earlier. I know there's other kind of survey products, but those are a little bit self-selecting in my opinion, because they only talk to the people who already decided to work with you. What you're not seeing is the people who you lose out on and the time that that kind of fallout rate costs you.
0: Yeah. MPS is a net promoter score, folks. Very, very interesting. And you're launching a new podcast. Let's make sure we spend a few moments as we wrap up the podcast on that. It's Lodestar Lending Leaders. I like that. What's the best way for people to learn more about your new upcoming podcast?
2: Sure. I promote this pretty heavily on LinkedIn. If you go find me at Jim Paolino, P-A-O-L-I-N-O. Also, Stars Lending Leaders, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor, I think there's going to be a link in the show notes as well. Uh, you can always email sales at com for any questions you have, whether it be where to find information or to talk to us or for anything like that. We're always happy to have conversations. The more we talk to people in the industry, I think the better people can kind of implement these solutions that work. So that's always my goal. And like I said, this is really my way of recreating all of those conference interactions that I miss really right now.
0: So good. And maybe that's why our podcast is going up in listenership so dramatically. We're having so many new listeners. And I'm wondering if it isn't because of the conferences. We just missed that opportunity to talk and listen to others talk Mm -hmm. about the industry, and I think the the podcasts are doing it, so I'm thrilled that you're launching a new podcast. Anything I could do to help promote it, we will make sure we have uh, links to it in our show notes, and uh, we'd Mm -hmm. love to have you uh, on again, Jim, to talk more about all that you're doing from a technology standpoint and what you're seeing in your podcast. Thank you so much, Jim, for joining us today. It's been a real privilege and honored to have you, and I wish you best on your podcast. We can't have enough podcasts out there. But there's so much to cover, and I'm thrilled that you're going to be joining the ranks of the podcasters, uh, us trying to help the industry. Appreciate it. Folks, we've had as our special guest, Jim Paolino, founder and CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions. Check out the new podcast in our show notes that he's launching, and be sure to support him. Appreciate him doing this. Folks, good to have you with us. Next week, we're going to have Brent Chandler, Form Free, joining us. It's going to be a really interesting discussion. Brent and I were talking about this last Friday. About the upcoming podcast interview. And it is really interesting. Some of the things Brent is doing is, folks, is so cutting edge. You're going to want to check it out. Our conversation will be a better way to assess ability to pay. So, great topic. So, anyway, special thank you goes out to our sponsors, Finastra, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom, Accelerate, and Mobility, Modex. Check out all of our sponsors on our sponsorship page Appreciate you as our listeners being here each and every week and telling others about the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back here next week.
1: You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. Thanks for listening.